Thank you, Marcus. Appreciate it. In your worship team, awesome. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Okay, we're going to dive in. My name is Damon Scape, and I'm the lead pastor at Triumph Church in Nederland, Texas, one of your pastors. And I'm glad to be here on a Wednesday. I don't know that I've been here on a Wednesday in years, and I'm really excited about that. Pastor Randon and I switched this week, so he's preaching uh, in Nederland right now, and I'm preaching right here to you guys. And I'm excited because I'm going to come uh, here every month. I'm going to come out here every month on a Wednesday and preach to you guys. Uh, once a month, and so it'll be a great time that we can kind of connect, and and also I'm going to begin a series tonight entitled The Resistance, which you can see on the screen, and so I'll just pick that back up next month when I come, and the following month, and so uh, it'll be a great time for us to, uh, to dig into the Word. So anyway, I want you to get your Bibles open up to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to jump right in. I want to teach you tonight uh, something that I really believe will be very, very helpful. So turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I won't make you stand. Normally I do that, but I won't make you stand tonight. So turn to Ephesians 6, and then we're going to all read it uh, together. Okay, are you there? Okay. Everybody shout the resistance. Okay, let's read it together. For we do not wrestle. Okay, when, I, when we read it together, that means we read it together. You ready? Okay. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Bless this word. Help us to defeat the resistance in our life and to push back the darkness as we embrace all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody shout amen. So I want to begin a series tonight entitled The Resistance. How many of you know that we are in a war? If you are a believer, in fact, the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, really, even if you don't serve Jesus Christ, you're still in a war, in a spiritual war. It's just that, that you don't realize that you're on the losing side. <laughs> But when you, when you declare, I'm a Christian, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, then you enter into a war zone. And the enemy is fighting for your soul. He's trying not, uh, not just to, uh, to kill you physically, but he's trying to keep you from being all that God's called you to be. In fact, the enemy is not, as, it's not so easy. If me and, and uh, Pastor Lisa here got in a little fight, then, well, it wouldn't be much of a fight, you know, just, but, but if we got in a fight, I could at least fight her because I can see her, right? But the enemy that we fight is invisible. And Paul told the Ephesian church that we fight against cosmic powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we have these invisible enemies that are fighting against us, that are pushing on us as we push to know Christ. We have resistance. Everybody shout resistance. So we have resistance, and that's what I want to talk about over the next few months as I come. I want to talk about the spiritual war that you and I are in, the resistance that we face in trying to be all that God's called us to be, and how we defeat that. Uh, Stephen Pressfield, a great secular author, in his book, The War of Art, he said this. He said, most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. The difference between the two stands the resistance. So the resistance is that which attempts to keep you from living the life that's inside of you that God's destined for you to live. It's that which works against you 
as you try to work the works of God. And so this is going to be kind of like a, a new take on spiritual warfare. Uh, hopefully tonight we will define it and really get a good picture of what it means, what we mean when we say the resistance. Okay, so I want to give you five, we'll, we'll answer five questions to get you a picture of that. So grab an offering envelope, something to take notes, get a pen out, because you're going to want to write this down, because every single human in this building is facing the resistance, and you need to know how to face it, how to fight it, and how to win. Okay, so let's answer the first question is, what is the resistance? So let me paint a picture. What is the resistance? So let me just throw out a couple of things because you'll recognize it as I start to talk about this resistance. The resistance is, is the, this evil, diabolical force that opposes all that is right and godly in life. The resistance is that which works against the work of God in your life. The resistance is that thing that tries to keep you on the same level. That tries to keep you on whatever level you're on. That opposes you. That tries to prevent forward motion. Have you ever tried to take a step forward in your life or in your marriage or in your finances or in, uh, in your walk with God? And, and it seems like as soon as you take a step forward, then all hell comes against you. You feel this resistance like you're, like you're walking into the wind. Has anybody ever felt that before? I mean, it's funny how, how you never feel that resistance when you're stepping backwards, right? But when you try to move forward, it seems like there's resistance. There's something that's opposing you, that's fighting the work of God in your life. That's what we mean when we say the resistance. The resistance is what is defeating you. It's what's keeping you offended. The resistance is uh, keeping you from really embracing who you are in Christ. The resistance is the thing that's keeping you discouraged, that's keeping you doubting, that's keeping you bound or lonely or unfulfilled. What is it? It's invisible. It's the resistance. Right now, the resistance is keeping you from fully walking in the purposes of God for your life. So what does it look like? Question number two. What does the resistance look like? Well, first of all, as I said earlier, the resistance is invisible. You can't see it. If you could see it, you could just kind of go after it. But it's invisible. A another characteristic of it is that it's internal. The resistance, many times the resistance is not from without, but it's from within. How many of you know sometimes the biggest battles I fight, the biggest battles you fight, isn't outside of yourself, but it's between your ears? The self-talk, the things we tell ourselves that we try to overcome, the things that we know that nobody else knows that keeps us from being what God tells us to do and who he tells us to be. The resistance is, what, what does it look like? It's insidious. That means that it'll, it'll tell you anything just to get you not to move forward. You see, that which is opposing the work of God in your life, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to, have to tell you specific things, but it'll tell you anything to keep you from taking your next step. The resistance cannot be reasoned with. It is impersonal. It doesn't care about you. The resistance is universal. Every single human in this building is facing resistance in your walk to move ahead in your life. It's unrelenting. There's something about it. When I, when I take a step forward and I move to another level in my, in my marriage or in my finances or in my walk with God or in my pastoral ministry, it, there's just something about it. I, I, when you fight through the resistance and you move to another level, guess, guess what's there ready to stare you in the face? More resistance. 
it's unrelenting. Unrelenting. Here's another characteristic of what it looks like is that the resistance aims to kill. Jesus said in John 10, he said, the thief comes to do three things. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Let me tell you, the thing that is pushing against you, that is, that is opposing the work of God in your life, that evil diabolical force keeping you from moving to the next level, its aim is to kill you. Its aim is to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you, to keep you from being who you know and God knows you're supposed to be. The resistance is fueled by fear. And here's something interesting when we're, when we're painting this picture of what does the resistance look like, is that the resistance only opposes in one direction. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but you only fight resistance when you're trying to move from a lower level to a higher level. Isn't that funny? All your friends are all your best supporters and everybody loves you until you try to break out and go to another level and then you start facing resistance. Oh, as long as you don't care about going to the next level in your relationship with God, you don't care about reading the word and getting in and, and, and seeking God's purpose for your life, everything's good. It's gravy, baby. But then when you start to try to step out of that into the next level and try to have a better marriage, just try it. You're going to face the resistance because the resistance opposes only in one direction. You can go backwards all day long with ease. But when you try to move forward, what do you face? Resistance. And the resistance is most powerful closest to the finish line. The resistance, it feeds, it, it feeds on your fear. It recruits help from other people. The resistance. It's self-sabotage. You know what that means? Just when you get ready to have a break, there's something that happens almost unconsciously, almost invisibly, to sabotage yourself. Like you, you can't quite have that success and, and go to that next level because the resistance tries to get you to sabotage yourself and go back to the previous level. It's the resistance. And it's time to defeat it today. So here's my third question. How do you know that you're battling the resistance? So what are the symptoms if I'm battling the resistance? Well, first of all, if you're breathing, you're battling the resistance. How many breathers do we have in the room? Okay, good. Want to know, you know that is a, a pertinent question to ask on a Wednesday night at 745. Are you breathing? So here are some symptoms. This is how you know if, if you're battling the resistance. Procrastination. You see, the enemy won't, you, won't get you to say, I'll never do it. He'll just get you to say, I'll do it tomorrow. That's the resistance talking. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll, how about this? When, when I get a little bit more money, procrastination. When I find that man, when I find that woman, then I'll do it. Then I'll be all that God's called me to be. When I overcome this fear, when I step out of this insecure place, when I get that promotion, when I step into that. See, the enemy will never tell you or get you to believe that you won't ever fulfill the purposes that God has for your life. He'll never tell you that you won't ever be able to be successful. He'll never tell you that you, that you won't ever do something. All he'll do is just say, just not today. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's wait for a little bit better scenario. That is the resistance talking. And let me just tell you this on a side note. If you wait until you have no fear to do something, you'll never do it. Let me just, you ready? Newsflash. You will always be fearful. 
you will always be insecure. You will always not have enough money. You will always, there will always be a quote unquote better time to do something. And so if you wait for those things to change, you will never do what God's called you to do. You'll never be what he's called you to be because the resistance will win every time. And you know you're battling it if you see procrastination in your life. Look at somebody and say, just do it. You just need to do it. Just feel the fear, feel the insecurity, and do it anyway. That's how you defeat the resistance. Trouble is another symptom. How many of you know people that, that trouble follows them? I mean, they deal with some trouble, and then trouble comes up again. You know what? Some people, trouble in your life is just a symptom that you're letting the resistance win. Because it's easier to deal with trouble than it is to push through the trouble and do the thing that you know God's calling you to do and what you know to do. In fact, another characteristic is self-dramatization. How many of you know people who are drama queens, right? Drama kings. They always got drama. Why? Because it's easier to have drama than to deal with real life. It's easier to be caught up in drama, and that's your excuse for not having to do what you know you're supposed to do and what you know God's called you to do and what you know your next step is. So we just get caught up in the drama, and the enemy keeps us on the same level. Self-medication. Victimhood. What about that one? See, victimhood is the biggest lie of the resistance. Because victimhood will keep you from ever doing or ever being anything that God created you to be or anything that he created you to do. The, the lie of victimhood is that it's never your fault. See, that's the key with a victim is, is they're victimized. And if it's not my fault, then I don't have to take responsibility for it. It's always just outside of my reach. And it's a distraction to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. Continual poor choice of a mate. How about that one? It's a symptom of the resistance. Instead of just doing what you're supposed to do, picking the right people, pushing through the resistance, you keep picking the losers, picking the wackos. Right? Because then you can be, then that's another source of blame. Well, I could do it, but you know, I got this wacko I'm dragging to church every week, you know? <laughs> right? anything to keep you from doing what God created you to do is a symptom of the resistance. Number four, what does it feel like when the resistance is winning? Unhappiness. You're bored. Restless. You feel guilt. You feel unloved. Disgusted with your life. Self-hatred. It's a symptom that the resistance is winning. If you don't defeat the resistance at that level, then it leads to the next level, which are vices, addictions, porn addictions, dope addictions, compulsions, overeating. What are these things? They're symptoms that the spiritual forces against us are winning, that we're allowing ourselves to be sucked in to the resistance and we're not defeating it, we're not pushing it back. If that goes undefeated, then it gets clinical. So we have depression. We have self-hatred. We have aggression, dysfunction. Then it leads to crime and physical self-destruction. Any diversion or distraction, any obsession to keep you 
from doing God's work in your life is the resistance. Everybody shout the resistance. So here's where I want to, to zero in on for the next final few minutes tonight. is Where does it come from? Now, from everything I've said so far, how many of you would say, I, I know the resistance. I know what you're talking been there, done that, there at some level right now, got a closet full of t-shirts, got some trophies on the shelf, know what the resistance is, right? And have pushed through and defeated. Every time you've ever went from one level to another, you've defeated the resistance, right? It's just that it's unrelenting, right? So it's back at you again. So much of our lives, that's what Paul was saying in Ephesians, is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers and wickedness of this present darkness. We have to keep fighting, So where does it come from? In the 12th century, there was a French theologian, philosopher, who said this. He said, he said that the things, there are three things that tempt us. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So let me just give you these three sources, because I believe that these three things are three of the most common, three of the most powerful sources of resistance. If you know what resistance is, if you know what it looks like, what it feels like, how to recognize it, and if you know where it comes from, then that's the first step to being able to defeat the resistance in your life. Is this helping anybody? Number one, the world. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll look at just the first two verses there. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then he says, don't be conformed to the world. I'm going to shout the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the good, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. One of the first sources of resistance that we face is the world. Now, Paul says this. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Now, let me teach you a little bit of, of, of Greek here because it'll help you understand what he's saying. The word conformed there is a Greek word, suske matizo. And what it means, it's, it's where we get the English word schematic, blueprint, a plan. And so the word world there is a Greek word for age. What Paul is saying is that, that this age, the age in which we live, has a schematic, has a blueprint that it is forcing upon you, that it is forcing you into, that it's trying to conform you into this specific image of this age. And Paul says, don't be pushed into that mold. Don't be conformed to this world, to this age, to this carnal system. He said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what do we mean when we say the world? Obviously, you know, the world, the planet is not evil, right? I mean, it's not like God hates trees. So when we say the world is a source of resistance, we don't mean the clouds and the sun and the trees and the earth. But what do we mean? When we say the world, we mean the values, the priorities, the standards of this age, this carnal nature, men and women apart from God, what they value, what they prioritize, their standards that are far from God. In fact, the Apostle John in 1 John said this. Look at the, at the scripture. They'll put it on the screen in 1 John chapter 2. He said, do not love the world. Now, obviously, again, he's not talking about the environment. What's he talking about? Don't love the values, the standards, the priorities of a world that is far from God. 
And then look at what he says. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, this is an incredible statement because he's saying you cannot love the world and the Father. In fact, if you love the value, standards, priorities of, 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 of men and women who are far from God, if you value and share and are, are passionate about those same things, then it is impossible for the love of the Father to be in you. These are not loves that coexist. These are loves that compete. These are loves that are mutually exclusive. Oil and water, they do not mix. So that means when you, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, are trying to pursue the things of God, but if you love the values, priorities, and standards of, of men and women who are far from God, then you won't get anywhere because the resistance will win because the source of resistance in your life is the world. He goes on to say in that same passage, he says, for all that is in the world, and then he lists what it is, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride and possessions. One translation says the boasting of what a man is and does. He said all this is not from the Father, but from the world. And then he says, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. James picks it up, the Apostle James, Peter, uh, Jesus' brother, later in James chapter 4 when he's talking about this concept of the world or, or, or the values and the standards and the priorities of people far from God. He says, what causes quarrels and, and what causes fights among you? In other words, you're facing this resistance. Where does it come from? He said, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? He said, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And even when you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. He says, you adulterous people. And then look at what he says. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You want to know why you can't get to the next level? Why it seems like all hell's breaking loose? Why you can't take your marriage to the next level if your finances will not go? You get to a certain point, then you stall out. Could it be that you're facing resistance from the world? Because as John said, and then as James verified, friendship with the world, its standards, its priorities, what it values, what it thinks is important. He said that's enmity, the strongest source of of hatred and discord against God. If you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God. How many of us as Christians have walked through seasons of our life where we're caught up in valuing the things that, uh, that are values of people far from God and we wonder why we can't move ahead in our life with God because we've got one hand reaching over here and one hand reaching over here and the Apostle John and the Apostle James says those two things are mutually exclusive. They're competing loves. One source is the world. So what do we do? To overcome this source of the world. This is it. You have to make a distinction. Everybody shout a distinction. I'm going to quickly mention 2 Corinthians 6 because in Scripture, God says, what agreement has, has the temple of God with idols? He says, I'll make my dwelling place among them. I'll walk among them. He says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing, then I'll welcome you. Basically, God says, listen, you're my people. You shouldn't hang and value and, and prioritize 
the things that people prioritize, there has to be a distinction between you and, and everybody else in the world. If you want the resistance to stop, make a distinction of yourself. The scripture says that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. That means that we live in the world. We don't live on cloud nine. We're not so super spiritual that we're no earthly good. We don't float around like fat cherubs on, on clouds, you know. But, but what we do is we operate within this system without being contaminated by this system. Right? So the commercials don't phase me. And the boasting and trying to keep up with the Joneses doesn't phase me because my affections are set on something that is otherworldly. We have to make a distinction. Let me tell you this. If you want to listen to everything that everybody apart from God listens to and go where everybody who doesn't have a relation and covenant with God goes, and if you want to do everything that everybody who doesn't have a covenant with God does, guess what? You're going to face the resistance and you're not going to move ahead in your life. So how do we defeat the resistance? We make a distinction. There are some places that I used to go, as the, as the great song said, I don't go anymore. There are some things I used to do that I just don't do anymore. There are some ways I used to talk that I don't talk anymore. Things I used to listen to, I don't listen to anymore. Is it because they're evil and they'll send me to hell? No, but is it because they're a source of the world that is the resistance that is opposing the work of God in my life? Give yourself a break. If you make a distinction, it's amazing how much easier defeating the resistance can be. Number two, as I move quickly, the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 tells us this. Paul says, if we walk in the Spirit, then you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Again, here's another opposing thing. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the spirit. Love of the world, love of the Father. These things don't mix. He says, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Has anybody ever been there before? Before you act all religious, the Apostle Paul said, the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, that thing I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. I feel like that some way. I just want to take the next step in my marriage and my walk with God and my finances and my career, whatever it is. But the very thing that I know I need to do and that I want to do, I just can't do. I do the other thing. It's the resistance. It's called the flesh. And so look, Paul, Paul illustrates it. When he's talking to the Galatians, he said, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then he says, the works of the flesh are evident. So if you want to know what the resistance that the flesh is trying to throw your way is, look at this. Sexual immorality. Any type of sexual conduct outside of the covenant of marriage between a husband and a wife is sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the flesh. You know, flesh comes from the Latin word carne. You may remember that if you, if you like food like I do, right? Carne, carne ensada. Remember, what does carne mean even in, in uh, the Spanish language? It means meat, right? So carne, flesh. 
What does that mean? That means your desires of the carnal man, the man that is unregenerate, that is far from God. It's the old you. It's your natural appetite, right? Those things war against God. And that one of the sources of resistance that we face that opposes us when we try to move from one level to the next level is just our own natural desires. I just don't feel like getting up and exercising. I just don't feel like putting down that last, that fourth, that, that fifth, cookie. I just don't feel like living on less money than I earn and saving the difference. I just don't feel like walking away from that gorgeous handbag, ladies, or that bright, shiny new boat, men. I just want to be led. I just want what I want. We would spank our children if they did that, right? It's the flesh. Let me just tell you this statement. You can write it down. You can live by it. It's true as blue. Whatever you feed will grow. And whatever you starve will die. Whatever you feed will grow. And whatever you starve will die. If there is something wicked in you. If there is some temptation in you. If there is some little little flicker or flame of lust and you feed it, it will grow. If you starve it, it will die. If God puts his finger on your heart and starts a, a new work in your life, if you feed it, it will grow. If you starve it, it'll die. How do you, how do you fight the resistance of the flesh? How do, you, how, do you, how do you fight the resistance that's opposing the work of God in your life? You have to recognize what is good and recognize what is not good. And what is good, you feed it and you just keep throwing fuel on that fire. Whatever is not good, and we all have things that are not good, that are at work within us. You starve it out. This is where you deny impulse. Listen, anything that is impulsive, that is emotional, that just makes you feel so good. Anything that that provides you instant gratification is most probably an ungodly desire. Because you know what God's into? He's into discipline. He's into work hard, work long, big payoff. God's not interested in get quick, bless me quick, dab dab oil on me, and everything's gone. God is into you. Do the hard work. You know what? It's called discipleship. That means becoming like Christ. The root word of discipleship is disciple. The root word of disciple is discipline. That means I make myself do what I don't want to do because I know it's right and it's going to get me in the right direction. It means I become an expert at saying no. Not to everybody else. To me. Every Christian should wake up in the morning and should look at themselves in the mirror and say, no. (laughs) When I go to Carabas in seasonal times and my, my, my friend back there on the back row, sister back there, and I had this affection, uh, not just for one another, but for this special dessert, this limoncello bread pudding. And I don't know why they don't put it on the menu year round. Everybody asks for it. It's when you want to do something and you just look at yourself and you say, no. You know, I'm, I'm on this, um, crazy discipline myself to to be healthier deal right now so i haven't had sugar in 14 days (laughs) 
haven't had um, uh, not much of anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I, I love sweets. I would rather have a sweet than a steak. But do you know what I've learned? If I can't say no to a piece of chocolate cake, I'm not going to be able to say no to a woman who looks at me and tries to entice me. If I can't say no to buying an, something extra that I don't want, that I don't need, but I just want because it's not prudent, if I can't say no to that, then I'm not going to be able to say no to the bigger things. So we got to practice telling ourselves is this going to send me to hell if I do it? No. But is it beneficial? Paul said all things are lawful, but all things aren't helpful. No. Look at somebody say no. Tell yourself. When you say no to your flesh, immediately the resistance is pushed back in your life. When you jump up and down and, and well, most of your body keeps jumping then you have to look in the mirror and you have to say no. Now, I can, I can procrastinate. I can blame. I can victimize. I can dramatize. I can medicate. I can do all those other things. But all that is is a stall tactic to keep me from doing the hard, disciplined, discipled, Holy Ghost-filled, Chanda Mahaya work <laughs> of beating my body into subjection. To push back the darkness because there's a bigger yes of the plans and the purposes of God in my life. Say, move on. So what do you do with the flesh? You deny it. You crucify it. Paul said that over and over again. I crucify my flesh. I say no. Last thing and we'll pray. And in the night, source of resistance, the devil. Now, I left him till last. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that's keeping you from... God's best for your life that ain't the devil. You're blaming it on the devil. Probably 90% of it is me. It's you. And then probably another 8 or 9% of it is the world and the flesh. And there's a little bitty part of it that's the devil. But again, it's easier to blame it on the devil. Why? Because it absolves us from responsibility. It puts it just, just beyond our control. Well, you know the devil. I don't know, you know. Right? Right? But if it's me, if it's my sweet tooth, if it's my financial mismanagement, if it's my unwillingness to connect with my spouse, then I gotta deal with it. Right? If it's my environment, if it's that I won't stop going to the club and jinking with my buds, and <laughs> then I gotta deal with that. But if it's the devil, I did, you know, how, if I had a quarter for all the people who, all the young, beautiful, beautiful, godly, gifted young women who come up and say, Pastor, I don't know why I can't just meet the man of my dreams. Every Friday and every Saturday I search for him in every club and every bar in Beaumont and I can't find him. You never will. The devil. First Peter says this. He says in, in chapter 5, he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Now notice like. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. But he is seeking someone to devour. So this is what the apostle Peter tells us. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. 
knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You are not unique just because the devil decided to pick on you. Welcome to the planet. Welcome to the kingdom of God. You have an adversary. But he is not nearly as big or as powerful as we make him. In fact, in Scripture, it says that in the end, when it's all said and done and, and, and the final battles, we're, we're, and we get to see Satan, we're going to look at him and, and, and the world are going to say, is, is this the man that caused the nations to tremble? This guy is what I spent my whole life locked in my prison of fear and of insecurity, locked in a terrible marriage, locked in a financial poverty mentality, locked in one single pew, not doing the work, not doing the ministry, not being all that, that God called me to be. Is this guy what kept me from that? It's a resistance. And he'll tell you anything he's got to tell you to keep you from taking action. Scripture says resist him. That's a great Greek word. It's antihistemeo, where we get the word antihistamine. Anti meaning to block. Histamine, right? And so it means block him. Literally, it means oppose him, rebel against him, get all up in his face and push him back. I just... Oh, what, what you doing, sister? Oh, I'm resisting the devil. <laughs> Go on offense. He's trying to rob you of God's best for your life. He is telling you a whole bunch of lies. Resist the resistance. Push back the darkness. Defeat the enemy. So if resistance is reigning in your life, it's probably coming from one of these three sources. The world, the flesh, or the devil. So I want you to ask yourself, which one? Or two, or three? <laughs> and where? So that you cannot be ignorant, but be sober and be alert and resistant. Because here's, here's what I believe. This is, call it my personal conviction. I believe that you already know what you're supposed to do. I believe that you already have everything you need to do everything that God's called you to do. I believe that you have the power, the resource, the knowledge to do it. I believe that you know innately what you're supposed to be doing, what you're supposed to be giving your life to, what you're supposed to be working on. You just have to stop making excuses. I have to stop making excuses and do the work. For the last many, many days, every morning, I've just disciplined myself. And I've said, you know what? You don't have to be at work till 9. You can sleep. You can do all, whatever. But you ain't in your sorry butt up. And never have I woke up from a wonderful night's sleep and thought, I just cannot wait to go get on the treadmill. Oh, I've dreamt about it all night. When my alarm goes off just before 5 o'clock, I roll over. I don't think about it. I put on my tennis shoes. I walk out back to my exercise room, and I get on the elliptical trainer because Jesus don't want to talk to me at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to talk to him at 5 o'clock. But when I start, with my praise and worship going, and my gospel playlist blaring. 
a fire starts on the inside. And I start talking to Jesus. And I start declaring and I start praying. And I can feel the resistance that's trying to prevent me from being all that God's called me to be. Being pushed back. Something as stupid as exercise. Yes, something as stupid as exercise. When I decide, when I looked the other day, a miracle happened. I sat down at a Mexican restaurant with Pastor Randon, and there was a big bowl of chips and a big bowl of salsa, and I didn't even touch one of them. Would it have sent me to hell? Absolutely not. But I just have to be able to look at it and not do it. The resistance. What in your life do you need to declare war against because it's keeping you from being what God called you to be? I want to encourage you tonight. Let's start defeating what's defeating us. Let's resist the resistance. And let's be all who God created us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for...